Hello, I'm Ellie Harris. And I'm Mark Boucher. And welcome to Poking Books. A podcast where I introduce a mystery author who will explain their book through three books which influence that book. And somehow I have to guess what their book is about. And Ellie will know absolutely nothing about the author or their book until they sit down to record with us. Their name, what kind of book they've written, I will know nothing until they enter the studio. So, why is it called Poking Books, Ellie? It's called Poking Books because it is essentially a guessing game, a bit like poker, and it's a lot more fun if I don't know the answer at the very beginning. Exactly, because the author is going to come on, they're going to give us three random facts, they're going to talk about these three books which influence their book, and Ellie will have guesses throughout. They might be right, they might be wrong, we'll see. We shall see. And our author today had an amazing jacket, which which took up quite a bit of the podcast. But it deserved it, no? I felt it was an extra clue. I mean, we'll definitely have to put a photo up of Sam's jacket because it was just, it was exquisite. And I did go into this thinking like, if Ellie gets this, I will be impressed. (laughs) If Ellie gets this, she'll have been cheating. Okay, let's see uh, what kind of book Sam wrote. Great. So, Ellie, this is Sam. Hi, Sam. Hi, Ellie. Lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you. Can I just say, what a cracking jacket. This is quite something. So, yes, I I discovered this uh, in Next a little while ago. It was £175 reduced to £25, and I just thought... Absolute steal. I'd be losing money not to buy this jacket. You would, wouldn't you? You know? Can I touch it? Yeah, please do. (laughs) really nice. I mean, I'm just going to do a... Description for people who are listening because they can't quite see the majestic sure. jacket. It's almost silky, but not. It's a nice, it's very good fabric, nice and thick. Thank you. It's, oh, it's just marvellous. Where do you start? It's an embroidered sort of plant tree with some flowers. There's some metallic thread going on. We're talking blues and pinks and golds. And so I'm getting so carried away. It's great. And it's like a blazer style jacket. If this jacket was a book, um, what would the first line be? Spring had sprung. And the cherry blossom in the back garden of the young girl blossomed for the first time in spring. Can you tell I'm not an author? I'm going to ask Sam to uh, give us some random facts about himself. And now, when I asked Sam, could you give me three random facts? Mm-hmm. He gave me six. And I looked at them and thought, yeah, he's going to do all of them. Okay. Are Is you that because you're bad at maths? Or a little, a little just, bit of both. Just a lot- Interesting. I've also thought about the opening line for the story and I've I've rethought it. Okay, what's it going to be? Sam walked across the shop floor. He spied the jacket. He had to have it. That's how it (laughs) starts. I loved it. Brilliant. Okay, now back to you. By a pure coincidence, that's the fun (laughs) now. No, just because okay. I'm overzealous when it comes to facts. Okay. I just love facts, I guess. Okay. That's one fact. That's okay. Um, <laughs> so I I probably made former England goalkeeper Ben Foster quit international football. You're not getting any more to these facts, by the way. There's no Q&A here. Okay. You, you just get the facts. I just have to take yeah, them in like a sponge. just have to take them in like okay. a sponge. I once spent a day handing out thousands of haikus for the NHS to random strangers. I've been locked on the roof of an eight-storey building. I cycle along the south coast of France on a whim. There's definitely not a video of me and my old housemate singing the confrontation song from Les Mis. And I can't talk about my work, but I'm definitely not a spy. I have so many questions, and I'm not allowed to ask them. The, The thing is, the one that even at the end of the podcast we can't answer is about Sam's job. 
Okay. Entirely seriously. Mm. So, so many. <laughs> that decision. What is Sal's book about? <laughs> this is a humorous book. I think there's crime involved. I'm, I'm smelling crime. I don't know whether it's the jacket or whether my senses have been skewed. <laughs> it was a steal However. by the sounds of it. <laughs> okay, okay, that was nice. Uh, Sam, would you like to tell us about the first book that has influenced your book? The first book I've chosen is uh, We Go to the Gallery, which is a, I guess, you know, the, you get these very sort of humorous gift books that mm-hmm. are sort of in the style of, uh, you know, these old ladybird books, mm-hmm. but they're ladybird books for adults, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the first one uh, that was created uh, by this artist uh, who was subsequ- subsequently sued by Penguin Random House for sort of infringing on their copyright. Mm. Um, and I, I've chosen this book partly because uh, I think, you know, it was this really innovative but very simple idea to sort of reuse something that we all feel very nostalgic for, we all remember mm. it, you know, it's uh, part of everyone's sort of childhood, I guess, growing up with these with these books. Um, but subverting them because, you know, we're also, we're not only in an age of nostalgia, but we're also in an age of cynicism mm. uh, where sort of humour comes from sort of sort of criticising the past as much as anything. You know, you've got like the, the boy looks at a pile of garbage and it's just like, in a, more, in a you know, the Tate Modern, I guess it would be. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the garbage smells. And mummy's like, that's because God is dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm guessing that, you know, the dark humour is coming yeah. through and I wonder whether that's playing into the type of book that you're doing as well. Whether it's, I mean, you mentioned sort of gimmick books and I don't know whether that's the genre that we're sort of um, looking at. For want of a better word, what was the title again? We Go to the Gallery. We Go to the Gallery. I thought you were trying to trick him into yeah. the <laughs> I, I, almost, I almost said that. I was what? like, no, that's the whole point of the podcast. <laughs> Oh, but, so he, but you didn't outfox him <laughs> like a spy, which he's definitely funny. not. I'm, I'm bouncing between whether it's a funny book for younger audiences or whether it's a sort of piss take for adults. And I'm not quite clear on that just yet. So, um, your second book, please. Great, thanks, Mark. So my second book is The Communist Manifesto. Okay. So, you may have heard of it. (laughs) Can I just say, yes, I have heard of it, because I once went on a date with someone. uh, This is making the story is going, it's making the cut. (laughs) Not sure it should. No, um, I once went on a date with someone to uh, the BFI bar, uh, the British Film Institute. Great date bar. Great date bar. Um, And the conversation was fine, it sort of slowed down, and then he turned around and said, So, about communism... And we proceeded to talk about that book, which I've not read and still have not read to that day. But it was an interesting turn to the day. No, um, yeah, that's interesting because I also have a similar uh, date communist story mm. where I went on a date with a girl who was studying uh, Marxist dialectics at Oxford University Very and clever. proceeded to spend the entire evening talking way above my pay grade okay. uh, and intellect about it, walking around the Tower of London, uh, str- me struggling to keep up, occasionally throwing in, yes. Workers do control the means of production. <laughs> the copy I have is the the Penguin Black Little Black Classics co- uh, collection, which is you know cost me eighty p. Loved it, and I literally like I remember carrying it around, uh, taking it with me, going up and down like train 
and just you know, take it out to make a political point. <laughs> so if you sort of you're staring in front of an old man who's sort of eyeing you suspiciously because of the jacket you're wearing, reach into your bag, pull out the Communist Manifesto, and mm-hmm. just watch his face slowly turn incandescent with rage as you're like, hmm, yes, no, he, a lot of good ideas in this book. So obviously this is the book written by uh, Karl Marx, uh, who basically suggested that actually the way society is structured uh, is completely, I guess, in the favour of the people who have money or own uh, industry, even when uh, it's actually the working classes and the people who actually make these things who should have the power and they don't. Uh, So it's sort of a, a rallying call for all these people to rise up and seize those means of production mm-hmm. to through revolution uh, yeah, to get better lives for themselves and others. Mm-hmm. Is, that a, is that a succinct yes, dish? Yes, no, it's it very is. good. It is. And of course, that's why everything's fine now. Everything's fine, yeah. Everything's fine, <laughs> everything's fixed. So, what? <laughs> what do you think? Ellie? I mean, it's a very out there book from where I was thinking, you know, we were, we were headed. Okay. Rebellion. She says, is, is we have this, this in a, the air. Is this a guest or a rallying call? No, this is a, this is a guest rather than, a, a guest? A guest rather this than a... guest. A, <laughs> I'm indicating Sam for the tape. Yes. A guest rather than a, a rallying call. So you'd gone for, for humorous, but it could still be humorous. Or yes. maybe it was never... Humorous politics can be funny. No, I still think, given mm-hmm. given Sam mm. being here, sitting here, mm-hmm. who you are, I think there is an element of humour. Whether it, I think it probably is very cynical mm-hmm. throughout, and maybe that's pushing me away from the younger audience into a slightly older reading bracket. You have to you have to grab the young children you when do, they're when they're you know you know their brains are still brains forming. Are still yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who do you think the protagonist or protagonists are in this book? My gut would be um, that there is a a male protagonist. Maybe he's got a group of friends around him that he's pulling into this sort of... I'm not sure what they're doing yet, but it's a sort of rebellion of some sort and they want to put the world to rights. They want to do something to rebel against the, the current climate or the current situation that they're in. I think they're younger, like we say. Grab them while they're young. Cool. Great. So, shall we move on to the... Uh... So, so my final book mm. is uh, The Famous Five. Okay. This is where my brain was going, which is very interesting. Okay. Good. Uh, maybe I need to start asking you to guess the next book. No, it's too no, much. No, it's too much. That would be. It's too much. It would have been funny, though. So, mm. uh, obviously, for our listeners, Famous Five follows the adventures of five young children. Very adventurous. Uh, yes. Uh, and uh, they're, importantly, their dog. Uh, and they solve various crimes and uh, get up to all sorts of adventurous and hijinks. Japers. Yes, exactly. Japers. Okay, I feel like I was onto a little nugget there somehow. Um, so I'm going to stay with my group of uh, young, rebellious people who are trying to yeah kick back. They want to they want to change things. They want to solve a crime because I'm going back to crime because we talked about it at the beginning. Um, something's gone down and it's only them that can solve it. It's very humorous. Maybe it's William. Maybe that's the lead character's name and he has sort of like maybe strawberry blonde hair. I mean, in the Blyton, you said the dog is very important there. Maybe they do have a pet. Maybe it's a guinea pig. My first hamster was called Squiggles. Maybe it's got a name, <laughs> a name like that. For a name for a hamster. Squiggles. Maybe it's called 
Stanley the guinea pig and, and he's instrumental in giving some clues maybe we're getting too deep into it but um, <laughs> you foremost the year I didn't know you ever had a guinea pig called Squiggles no a hamster called Squiggles oh, I got him wrong yeah. he died on Valentine's Day it was very upsetting <gasps> oh that yeah. is upsetting I uh, came home after school I was ten years old came home I was in year five and uh, Squiggles didn't run to the cage to try and bite me like he always did or throw poo out of the cage which he also <laughs> did while staring me in the eyes um, he he didn't come out so I picked up his igloo he had a plastic yep. igloo of course um, and I shook it and said Squiggles <laughs> Squiggles and it just rattled and it was just sort of like a of a, a dead oh. hamster hitting the sides of the igloo it's um, a sound you'll never forget. Yeah, oh. it's really dark. This is turning into therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we're going fiction. We're going crime solving, society, politics, fighting, young children. Sam is very into this. For the take, <laughs> Sam is into this. He's moving his arms around and everything. The jacket is sparkling in the light. <laughs> He's like a Jazzy James Bond. <laughs> That's the look I was going for, actually. Jazzy James Bond. I don't know what crime they're solving, but maybe it's to do with the government. They think it's... Government would never do anything illegal. Uh-huh, sure. They think it's, like, a small crime, but actually it goes deeper. It goes right to the top. Yeah. Is there an explosive finale in this book, Well, I feel like it might end on a cliffhanger. Oh, do you think this is part of a... I think it might be part of a series. What was the thing you weren't going to say, Sam? about why you didn't. So the reason I chose uh, The Famous Five mm-hmm. is because I, I've, I've reread it recently and mm-hmm. I've, I've come to realise that while the children have their adventures and that's fine, the real his- hero of the book is in fact the dog. The dog. And uh, the dog just does not get the credit that he deserves. Okay. And so actually I've, I've come to vehemently dislike The Famous Five books. Mm. Uh, it should just be the famous one, and it should just be about the dog having... What's the dog's name? I can't remember, off the top of my head. <laughs> For goodness sake, Do you know what the four children were called? Not either, not either Oh, good, if you were going to sell it, oh yeah, they're called... And you're like, I don't remember the dog, but I love the dog. Speaking of dogs, maybe there's a twist in your tale. Maybe there's a character that's sort of the underdog, that actually is the one that makes everything sort of come together and really solves whatever crime it is. Sam, would you give us your full name, the name of your book, and what it's about? So, my name is Samuel Dodson, and my book is called Philosopher's Dogs, and it is a faux-serious philosophy textbook based on the idea that all philosophers stole their ideas from their dogs. (gasps) I was so far away, but that's so brilliant. Oh, shucks, thank you. <laughs> I was a bit like, I don't think you'll ever get this. <laughs> I mean, How would you niche. guess that? I mean, you did mention there was a there was a theft involved. There might have been yeah. some crime. And really, the biggest crime has been committed by all philosophers for all time, Correct. stealing their ideas from their dogs. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Imagine your sort of introduction to philosophy textbook that you get first day of philosophy class of university. You remember that day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, everyone Definitely. does. You've been seeing a lot of philosophy memes and you're like, I'm quite into this thing. Yeah. Maybe I'll sort of dabble in this. You see mm. something at Waterstones. Well, rip that up because okay. it's nonsense. Okay. But <laughs> the, structure, the structure remains the same. You know, you have an introduction... Uh, that's written by a very good uh, colleague of mine, Professor mm-hmm. Friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a golden uh, retriever. Okay. 
not at all recognised for her brilliance in her field. Mm. Uh, and then it will take you on a journey from sort of the ancient philosophers, so, you know, Socrates' dog, Julius Caesar, uh, and Plato, uh, right up to the present day with uh, David uh, Furster Wallace. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> you know, with some Mary Wollstonecraft mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, Karl Barks, of course, okay. uh, and maybe a bit of Sun Shih Tzu uh, <laughs> from sort of the sort of the Eastern philosophy uh, angle. Mm. Um, and then sort of each one of them has a sort of a, uh, a section which goes through all of their um, all, all of their, their sort of biography, but mm-hmm. also their, their influences on on philosophy, or how should that be, philosophy? Hey. Um, and uh, of course, the whole thing is accompanied by uh, beautiful illustrations by my incredibly talented sister, mm-hmm. uh, Rosie Benson, who is honestly the most talented person I know. She basically brings to life dogs in scenes of them interacting with their copyright-infringing human wow. owners. So. so Sam's book is being published by Unbound, so you can find it by looking up Philosopher's Dogs on unbound.com. Yeah, so this is almost like pre-ordering the book before it comes out. It's, um, I think, at the time of recording, it's... It's at 65%, so almost two-thirds of the way there. Sam, did you want to read a little bit from it? Sure, so... I'd really like to hear some. Cool, so I'll read an extract from the beginning. Uh, which is all where the best things start. So in today's parlance, humans have been told that the literal meaning of philosophy is a love of wisdom, but this is a simple case of canine homo sapien misinterpretation. The classic ancient canine meaning of the word stems from the base etymological construction fur, meaning fur. Thus, to truly understand philosophy, you must remember its core meaning, which is to think with fur. Already, fur-lacking humans may feel at a disadvantage, but fear not, as Professor Friend, one of the foremost canine philosophers alive today, and a key consultant for this book, notes, just because one does not have fur does not mean that one cannot think like one does. All that is required of you is to put aside your petty human concerns and worries, your thoughts of mortgages, cutlery, and needlessly frightening vacuum cleaners, and embrace the moment as if those first fur-thinkers, as we take our philosophical forebears to be, did. So, how does one arrive at this feeling of wonder, and what does one do with it once it is reached? For some, these are the questions that are the gateway to philosophy, not just in the sense of understanding the teachings of those who have gone before, but also in reaching a point at which you yourself can make important philosophical observations and begin to pass your learnings on to others. Indeed, major figures in ancient philosophy, including Plato's dog, Canis Porplin, Aristotle's pooch, Hercules, stress the importance of not just questioning the world, asking why we give our paws to those who command it, or wait for an order to speak before barking, but must also encourage others to do the same. By inspiring others, they saw the potential for eventual canine liberation against the oppression of humankind. Crucial to this were the teachings of early four-legged philosophers Sun Shih Tzu and Bernard the Saint, who believed that by cataloguing and subsequently probing the thoughts of dogs and sharing them with the world of both men and beasts, they would pose potential answers and solutions to questions that have plagued canine kind since the dawn of time, including whether tennis balls are always real, why you sometimes must bark at things that no one else can see, and how is it possible to judge free will in a world where treats seem only accessible by obeying orders. Do you like dogs? I do like dogs. I was just wondering whether the book was deeply, deeply ironic. I'm an absolute animal enthusiast. You know, when I was growing up, Layla was my first dog. She was a, a lab collie cross. She was mm. excellent. And then we had a litter of border terriers. So we had Marnie, Whisper, and Graham. Graham was the dog that I was allowed to name. <laughs> <laughs> 
very awkward when you're in the field calling for what sounds like your long lost uncle. Also very ironic to call for Whisper as well, actually, but it's, that's another... Uh, that's whisper! Point. Whisper! Uh, currently I've got Reg, who is a black lab, and he is just great. One thing that Reg does is whenever you come home, he has a little basket of treats, a little wicker basket, and uh, they've got all his like, you know, squeaky toys and things. But he won't pick out the toy that he wants you to play with. He'll bring the entire basket to you and then wait for you to pick out a toy, then go place the basket back, and then come back for you to play with the, oh with the toy. It's great. Is this some sort of statement he's making about free will? I think so. I mean, I think there's something about, you know, you pick, you know, our, what in terms of sort of our life, mm. uh, the, the sort of expediency of which we have you know, exist, uh, is actually down to almost the interactions we have with others rather than just ourselves. Well, I think that was enlightening. I Yes, for sure. Oh, and I think on that, um, on that appalling note, oh, it's perfect. Great. So yes, people can go onto onband.com and support philosophers' dogs. And um, did you also want to talk about nothing in the rule book as well? Great. Thanks for the prompt, Mark. In my spare time, in a something that I can actually talk about, I run a creative collective called Nothing in the Rule Book, uh, which is basically a space for uh, writers, artists, filmmakers, comedians to come and celebrate their love of their craft and also to sort of get their work out there into the world. So I feel as though, you know, one of the reasons I like Unbound so much is that the modern publishing and sort of media industries are just run by these corporate bear moths Mm -hmm. that actually sort of squeeze out a lot of really unique and interesting voices and suppress people and stop them from talking about the things that they they want to talk about. And that's why we sort of exist as a space just to give Mm -hmm. them a platform to do whatever they want. You know, if someone wanted to write a 2000 word treatise on the uh, artistic merits of uh, ankle socks, I'd be like, absolutely. And yeah, we just want to support people and uh, help them get there work out into the world. So. Amazing. And how do we find out more? Yeah, is there like a yes. place on the internet? The, there is a place on, on the, the internet. It is, it is called www.nothinginthereulebook.com uh, or you can follow us on Twitter uh, at NITRB underscore tweets and we're also on Instagram uh, which is NITRB that's it. The end. The end. Okay. You wanted to follow up on some of the early facts that we could talk about. Oh. Ooh. How did you end up on the roof? Oh, this is a traumatic story. Okay. So uh, I was uh, working uh, shifts yeah. at this time and uh, my shift didn't start until 3pm and it was sort of mid-summer and it was glorious weather, beautiful heat wave and I was like, gotta, gotta maximise uh, gotta maximise these and I have a little, uh, at the time I had a little plot of uh, sort of plants and vegetables that I was curating on the roof which you could access through a door uh, so it was like not, it wasn't like I was like scaling a roof and then being like, how did I get here? Um, it was a logical reason thing for me to go up and I wasn't being a spy then. No, no. 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 Uh, so I'm hanging out on the roof, you know, tending to my plants, having a great old time, look at the time, think, oh, I better, better go off to work. Mm-hmm. Go to open the door, won't open. Classic. Press, pressing the little emergency door release button, nothing happens. And there's this big thing saying, like, this is an emer- like the big emergency one. I'm like, mm. right, this, is, this one, is an emergency. I'm like, I've got to go. Press it, and it literally falls off the wall. <laughs> the door is still very much locked in place. Mm. Uh, I do what any logical person would do, which is to just yelp. Go, Help, please! I make stories up. There's hardly anyone down at the streets below. Mm. Uh, my phone has uh, almost run out of battery. Of course. Don't know who to call, so I call, contact my housemate, mm-hmm. who uh, in turn has to phone uh, the people who sort of like manage the building. Mm. They come up, and I'm like, well, I'm saved. He sort of like waves at me, like, no worries, I'll get you out of here. He goes to open it from the other side. It doesn't open. They're like shouting through the glass which is very very thick so I can barely hear and he's like I'm going to get a locksmith 
calls a locksmith. I wait 40 minutes. It's very hot at this point. How long have you been up? But so this is, I've been up there already like two hours. So this okay. is like two hours, 40 minutes. Were you wearing sun cream? Nope. Nope. No. Why would I do that? I'm a, I'm a pasty white yeah, British man. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I'm feel, feeling the heat a bit. Finally, the locksmith arrives, takes off the entire, uh, like, sort of door handle and lock. Realize, says it's not not the lock. It's the security sort of electromagnetic thing that this door is fixed in place with. That's and nice. uh, There's yeah. a fire engine here. <laughs> so they're literally they're shouting through the keyhole, saying like, "We might have to smash the glass." I'm great. Like, great. So you know the hours are ticking on. I'm like, I'm getting quite thirsty. They run across the street, throw a bottle of Evian. So this is the thing. There was there was a penthouse at the other on the other side of the building. <laughs> So and so they go up there, there to throw water and they start <laughs> throwing bottles of Evian across How to me. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. Please, sir, can I have some more? I could really see, like, when you said talking through the keyhole, I could imagine somebody running down stairs and getting a carton of Ribena, other blackcurrant-based juice products are available, <laughs> and just putting the straw through the keyhole. And you sound like, why didn't you get a really big one? It's the only one we could find with the straw. That could have that's happened. That's more ingenious. Yeah. Um, did you ever escape? Or we did. So uh, I, I'm very late for work at this point, mm. uh, unable to contact my boss. And uh, I, you know, I'm also feeling a bit of the effects of sunstroke when they say, you know what, the only way we can do re- release this is by... Uh, essentially cutting the power so we can either power block the entire uh, power cut the entire building or we can do this thing where they set off like the emergency fire alarm which automatically opens all these doors so they do that Uh, the doors all open my one opens Great. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of a few disgruntled people who are at home who have had to evacuate and it's like eight floors did you say eight stories yeah so um, but it was it was like the middle of the day so lots of people were at work to be fair but there were a few people looking around where's the fire and then I sort of sheepishly and you're like it's here it's like burns from the sun and I'm going that was basically it Uh yeah so that was my stuck on the roof story. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed that very much. Oh, I'm glad. Well, we won't ask about your job because we know that's off the cards. Sure. But um, that was very enjoyable. I feel like mm. I've learnt a lot this evening. Well, we learnt a lot. Thank you. Mm. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real honour and pleasure. Well, Sam, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. Cheers. Thank you. So, not quite so close this time. No, but I'd argue that that was quite a difficult one to guess. I mean, I think I got themes, but yeah, I was never going to guess Karl Barks. I think the one thing you're missing in that podcast is, even when we were talking, he was doing lots of hand gestures. So many hand gestures. He's larger than life, is Sam. He was fantastic. A lot of fun. And if you enjoyed today's show, please remember that you can support Samuel Dodson's book, Philosopher's Dogs, by going to unbound.com and search Philosopher's Dogs. You'll be able to support and get a copy of Philosopher's Dogs with your name in it. Woof woof. Thank you, Ellie. You've been listening to Poking Books with Ellie Harris and Mark Bowsher. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Both of them are just at Poking Books. No hashtags, no underscores, just simply at Poking Books. You can also listen to the podcast at soundcloud.com forward slash Poking Books. Or wherever you get your podcasts from. And remember, if you do enjoy the podcast, please subscribe because it means more people will find us and listen to us. You've been listening to a Rabbit Island podcast and do tune in for the next episode very soon. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Bye.